Welcome to the Central Peninsula Church Podcast. A podcast all about real life together. Private on right now. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it, it's been hot. Yeah, oh, yeah. you just got to embrace that Brandon has so much blackmail. Yeah, <laughs> so much. All right. Well, welcome everybody to CPC Together Podcast. We are here together with Kevin Sneed and Dan Reed. That's right. You better heed. <laughs> You're such a hype man. Oh, such a hype man. Oh. Hey, listen. We got to start off. These are, it's his inner, inner DJ. It's yeah, DJ. He's, he wants to spin a forty-five right now. Yeah, <laughs> we got to start off today with an apology. These are oh, our confessions. Apology. Yeah, um, we want to. We want to. As a pastoral staff here, we want to lead with uh, with with confession. And the confession is: we didn't record a podcast last week. We didn't. If you didn't notice. <laughs> As Dan didn't. <laughs> Don't go back and not listen to that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I was in the Philippines, and Kevin and I were like, yeah, it'll be super easy to record we'll a totally podcast do it. from the from you in the Philippines, even though there's a 15-hour time difference, and I was on some like island 40 miles out in the middle of the... <laughs> and I was away. I was in Yosemite, too. Like, Why didn't we... We, we probably should have had the forethought yeah. that we weren't gonna record it and so anyway for all for of these you, reasons we confess our failures <laughs> these are my confessions <laughs> anyway we just feel really bad um for those of you all two of you that have been really really <laughs> waiting for that podcast to be released anyway okay we're back so dan you started off by talking about questions in your message and how questions are very important and the wisest most i forget what word you used but um Together, people always ask a lot of questions, and so I thought we could start. They ask the right questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I would start by asking you two a good question. Mm. In light of locusts and honey, what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Oh. Ooh. Oh, okay. The weirdest yeah. thing? Yeah, like, yeah. We were at this outdoor dinner party in Cameroon that was put on by a government official and it was quite nice and we're sitting out there and it was, they were barbecuing outside and uh, I don't know if that's what they called it but I had Viper yeah it was Viper and it was really good I mean they seasoned it really good and uh, you know it was delicious Whoa. so that was that's probably the weirdest thing that I know of that I ate, and it was actually served, and that you know yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Viper. there's always that, you know. Viper. That's was, Viper. It, was it cut into like little pieces, or was it like just it was. the big old it, snake? It was, and you yeah, take it little... wasn't filleted Viper. It was it was chopped into chunks, so you had there, you know, the backbone, the vertebrae. You know, you kind of took your fork and got <laughs> it off. Scraped out that, yeah, the, you know, the rib cage yeah. and the vertebrae. The, yeah. Ooh, yeah, that's a, yeah. Is there delicious. fat? Is there fat on a viper? It was delicious. Uh, it was delicious. No, it, it was very approval. lean. Yeah, it was very okay. lean. It was very Did good. Did you dip it in anything? Or? No dipping sauce for the viper. No, just, it was just, just straight. Yeah, viper. It was marinated. That would you know, be it was like something off to the, the shelf, Kevin. Yeah, no. If you if you ask for a one for the viper, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Cameroonian equivalent of a one. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> yeah, I, let's see. I I I can't think of anything weirder than that. So I won't go that direction. But my mind went first to so so spending six years in Napa. Um, I I kind of always had the thought if I'm going to eat anything that I wouldn't normally eat, Napa is probably the place to do it. Right? You're going to have a good chef creating it. So I remember Lindsay and I sat down at this great French restaurant in Hell's. 
<clears throat> right in downtown Napa. In Hells? And Hells. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, not in Hells. <laughs> um, but, but I remember looking at, and it, we were, I was super young and didn't know what the heck I was doing or ordering. And I ordered beef tartar. You guys ever oh, had beef tartar? I have not. I had no idea what it was. I've it's raw beef. It. Raw beef, it is, right? It is a hamburger patty that is purely raw. Mm. And then they crack an egg and put a raw egg on top of it in case the, the uh, raw beef wasn't enough. And so I, I've always been like, I'll just get whatever. And like, clearly I was trying to be fancier than I am. And like, I'll have the beef tartare. And that thing came and I had, I, and I scarfed like half of it. And I was like, I can't do anymore. <laughs> like, oh. This is awful. It, so anyway. It sounds so squishy. It, it really very, does. It, yeah. It's exactly what, you know, you put a hamburger patty together. That's what it tastes like. Yeah. So not good. So it was okay. not as delicious as Viper. Okay. If you're at a restaurant and you have the option between beef tartare and Viper, Go for the viper. Go for the viper. <laughs> it sounds like I had uh, sashimi, but it was oh, not. Yeah. It was not fish sashimi. It was horse meat. Oh, <laughs> it was like dark purple, and I was like, "Oh, is this like tuna?" And they're like, "No, no, it's horse meat. It's Clydesdale." Uh, that's, I was like, that's... "Oh my gosh, poor horse." Yeah, Where was that? That's like Japan. That's okay. like eating your pet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we'll we'll move on now. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, so, so this whole thing, this whole um, series, that um, or at least the first part of it is really framed around this question: Who is Jesus? And um, I really like Dan how you went into uh, uh, in order to explain, you know, a little bit more about this actual letter. You go into a little bit about the author. What were some of your bullet points? Um, about Mark, I thought those are pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, so, Mark was not an eyewitness of Jesus, but he hung around Peter. So that's one bullet point, and that's where he got the material to write the gospel. And uh, he, uh, his mother, uh, she lived in uh, Jerusalem. Acts chapter, chapter twelve talked about that, and so. Uh, Christians would gather, you can read, the Christians would gather at his mother's house. His mother's name was also Mary, and he had a famous uncle, and that uncle's Barnabas, who traveled with, with Paul, and uh, Mark tagged along, you know, and I don't know if it was the uncle saying, come on, nephew, let's go. I don't know what it was, but anyway, it didn't work out well, and uh, he, for we don't really know the reason why it didn't work out well, but uh, Paul let him go, said, we, you know, we don't need you, but then later... Uh, Paul and Mark kind of got back together, and Paul said, "Mark, you're very valuable. I need, I need you. You did a lot of good stuff." And then, so you talk a little bit, Mark. Then you went into John. John yeah. is like this fascinating uh, character. Yeah. First of all, I just have to ask this: um, There's so many different Johns in the Bible, right? So, is this a different John than the John that wrote the Gospel of John? This is a different John. Yeah. And then, what about the guy that was? Uh, sent out to the island of Patmos. Is that also the same guy who wrote the book of John and That's not this John? That's the same John? guy that wrote yeah. the book of John, yeah. So this is a totally different John. Totally different one. Correct. Yeah. Did not author or pen a book of the Bible. No. John yeah. the Baptist. But he did yeah. wear camel hair clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A leather belt. He ate locusts and honey. Yes. Eccentric. That's what yes. we call John. Yeah. And really the baptizer. raised, 
probably very well educated and raised like like Jesus uh, uh, to be you know it could be a rabbi, and you know they called Jesus rabbi as he taught, so he probably taught and was probably headed toward you know working in the temple in and around the temple or in a, in a synagogue at least, and then he just ended up out in the wilderness, and some say well he maybe he lived there a long time because there's that isn't that the Qumran sect or something that's mm-hmm. out there where you know they would do the ritual baths and they lived out in the desert and they you know they were they were they were a commune but there were, i because I, I was really trying to chase that down because i'd been there when i was in israel i went to that Qumran sect and they mentioned john the baptist but he probably didn't live there he may have spent some time because he had some of their you know life he made some of their lifestyle choices uh, but he just appeared in the wilderness you know at some point and uh obviously he was you know kind of grisly you know out there that he probably was out there for quite a while as it said a man of the wilderness yeah one of the things i thought it was it said camel hair as i was studying camel hair but not camel skin (laughs) just the hair yeah it's like how did they how did it how did it go together how do you so you got to shave a lot of camels (laughs) (laughs) just why do i I just see that at the met gala recently when then the camel hair like i'm just kidding i mean why would he not want the skin you know i mean yeah uh, why wouldn't he want you know like a camel coat you know and was was... it the mane of the camel camels like have a mane right (laughs) do they i don't know (laughs) i don't know if they've got a mane what what, i wouldn't ever describe a camel as Anyway, I'm gonna look up a picture of a camel right now. Do they have a? Oh, <laughs> they spin. You know what? I don't think camels do have a mane. Well, I don't. What do you think about that guy? Oh wow, it's got a little bit. That's almost more like wool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's crazy. Google camel listener. <laughs> Let us know your thoughts. Does a camel have a mane? Anyway, kind of a fascinating character. Also, the cousin of Jesus. Yes. Which is probably yeah, I don't know if it's the first cousin, but yeah, relative. But it's the one that leapt in the womb. Yep. Yeah, which yep. is pretty amazing. Yeah, isn't that? Yeah. Um, I mean. So you said that John, in this um, in this passage, he's he's calling Israel back to the wilderness, and you even talked about how that wouldn't have been like baptizing Jews wouldn't have normally been a thing, right? Yeah, Jews didn't baptized Jews. Yeah, a Jew, if you were born Jewish, you wouldn't be baptized. So, in in their custom, you would have to be a Gentile in order to be baptized into the Jewish faith basically. Yeah. Hey, you were really listening. So, <laughs> and that's primarily because there was no need necessary for the baptism experience for someone born Jewish, right? Until again when when Jesus comes on the scene and and this kind of early church thing that begins yeah. to be this practice of being baptized in you know the faith or whatnot, the tradition, right? So there really is something to to him calling out for repentance, or that's kind of what baptism is. Like he's kind of flipping the whole thing on its head and saying, "No, we all need that that repentance. We all need to be baptized because there's a new king. There's something else that's coming." But this wilderness thing, like, why is that significant? Like. You said that he's calling Israel back to the wilderness. Like, are we all supposed to wear camel hair mm-hmm. clothes? Like, live off the land? Like, be out in the desert? Like, what's the deal with that? Yes, that's exactly what it's saying. 
Okay, good because I found yeah, something on Amazon. Case. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I the idea, you know, again, a metaphor for uh, being in a place where distractions are removed, mm. where uh, you are dependent upon God. Uh, and that could, you know, you can think of it even as in terms of fasting, you know, where there's, there's something you feel, there's some sacrifice you're making where you're not, you know, feeding your flesh and, but it's to remind you of, uh, my dependencies on God here. He's going to fill me here. And so when you trace it too through the history, we talked about the, uh, uh, the prophecies and being led out, uh, you know, an exodus, an exodus from a place where there was captivity out to eventual, you know, the promised land, the, the, the place you need to be with the Lord, literal or in, in you know, in the Old Testament, it could, e- it could even be, it could be literal as opposed to a figurative. Yeah. But uh, to be led out into that wilderness uh, and you meet God there, you know, uh, yeah. that cry from the, from the wilderness, hey, God's here. He's not, he's not in the, the institutions or maybe these places where you think he is or he's, you've been told that he is but in reality he's in a different place well that's what mark is doing i think so masterfully in this open or this opening chapter is you know as i as i on two weeks ago opened up on verse one you know there's that reference to genesis in in the beginning and then right out of that you get this wilderness experience where i think you know mark is masterfully kind of right beneath the surface retelling the exodus story as you just referenced like Mm -hmm. so from this kind of announcement Mm -hmm. of the kingdom of god they're led into the wilderness right which again Mm -hmm. think exodus right from there in that wilderness experience they're encountering god god is shaping them into their people just like he did with israel in the wilderness and then immediately after this we get the baptism of jesus which i would i would suggest is is the parting of the red sea experience like it's Mm. you're passing through the waters in the same way that israel passed through the waters and became um, that was part of their becoming that you know God's people, yeah. and so he's kind of masterfully painting this picture, which then you get in verse fourteen and fifteen when he gets the announcement of the kingdom of God here. I think there's there's references there to that the promised land, and, and so he's retelling this sort of second Exodus where Jesus is the second Moses. Um, you know, he's he's the one who's establishing his people, um, and it's it's a guy. I think it's it's genius the way that Mark is is tying these kind of loose ends yeah. as you brought up and, and we're bringing it out you know this past week hmm. yeah and the Isaiah passage spoke of yeah. uh, well that was more in reference to out of Babylonian captivity yeah coming yeah. out Exodus back into mm-hmm. the promised land and mm-hmm. the rebuilding of the temple and and uh, all of that so it is uh, calling calling us out of captivity yeah yeah is that something yeah think about that yeah and to that idea himself. again yeah of, of sin being you know for us that a kind of entrapment to, you know, sin, kingdom of self, whatever yeah, it is, whatever it is, yeah, is that enslavement that we need kept, you yeah. know, to be released from. Yeah. So he was he was also kind of calling them back from what religion had become for them at that time, right? Mm-hmm. Like religion had kind of become something opposite of the wilderness, right? Like uh, plush, you said plush temples, fine robes, dead traditions earthly comforts like he was calling them back from that and i just couldn't help but think dan as as you were saying this and you did touch on this later in your message but i'm kind of wondering is there an element of uh that maybe jesus is still calling us back 
um, to more of a wilderness experience. Is, is, do you see parallels from where the religion had taken them back then and where religion has taken us now or where our lives or our comforts have taken us now? Well, I think it's it's interesting. We were chatting a little bit before about uh, how we are, uh, you know, we worship comfort. You know, we, we all do. We yeah, Everything is about comfort. Comfort in what we eat, what we're sitting in. Uh, the AC right now currently the, is at 68. <laughs> the lighting is perfect so I can see everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you go to another part of the world and you, you, you just realize how quick, how different we are and how... Like I was just in the Philippines yeah. and I spent, as, as great as the trip was, I spent much of it very uncomfortable. Because it was like in the 90s, which doesn't sound that hot, but when it's humid, it's, hot. it's like suffocating heat and you're walking around the traffic is absolutely insane there are lane markers but they don't care <laughs> and like it, what what we would consider getting cut off here when we kind of get road ragey and we're like oh man that guy cut me off it is nothing like a big truck will just drive right in front of you and then five motorcycles will <laughs> drive behind him to cut you off there'll be like an ambulance trying to get through and no one lets him through <laughs> So, like, if you're dying in the back of an ambulance, you just die. <laughs> anyway, uh, I just spent that a lot of time. You out? Like, how do you handle? I was super. I'm stressed thinking about it right now. I video. I would video in the car because if I didn't distract myself, I'd just constantly doing like the, you know, that thing we get mad at our wives for when we're driving. Like, Why'd you do that? You almost made me get in an accident. Um, but I, it made me realize how much. I, never, I, I don't know if I would have really said I have a huge high value on comfort, but I really do. Like, yeah. I, I, I need that to feel, like, okay and secure. And you know, He really does. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we have you here, Brandon. I've been wanting to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point because, I mean, none of us voluntarily... Like, like you say, no one is, none of us want to voluntarily go to the desert, and none of us want to voluntarily strip away things that we love that uh, if they're stripped away, they bring us closer to God. And mm-hmm. so he'll do it in his own yeah. way, but he also does it in community, you know, yeah. and so, because, I mean, some, somebody's probably going to have to tell me and help me to understand when, a, a bit when things are out of balance hmm. for me. And uh, well, that, where the desert yeah. would be a healthy place, you know, f- for me to sit for a while. I remember a, an illustration that uh, somebody used with me. I, when I was in high school, I have really weak ankles. Can you tell? Really? Yeah, I have. You know, I've always I, looked at your ankles and thought, <laughs> man. I wouldn't have guessed I that. wish you had strong ankles. They're, they're skinny. Yeah, it's, they're <laughs> skinny. They're weak. Uh, I played basketball. Uh, and I, so I sprained I was, my I got ankles the same. Yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know, and... Like uh, I have skinny wrists too. I, I, it's kind of they go together. Can you anyway, put your whole, can you put your whole hand around uh, I fingers around? I can. Oh Look at that. My. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, I, I, have I to can email the elders real quick. I don't know I, if I can trust a man with skinny wrists. It, in baseball, it I, I my bat speed wasn't as good as it should have been. I was this big guy, and everybody would do like how the. Many, how many sports did you play? Oh, we got basketball. Oh, we got baseball. Okay, <laughs> he's no a golfer. More. He's a golfer too. So, so and a golfer. So the first time I get up, you know, they'd say, "Okay, they they're out there, back up and shift." I was a lefty, 
like do the shift and they're backing up and then you know, cuz they think I'm yeah. going to hit it a long way you know <laughs> dribble it up the yeah yeah you're like oh, oh yes i got a single power anyway, and velocity yeah. at 45 miles an hour just ripped it anyway yeah. i got i should get back to the point <laughs> oh so, we got re- weak wrist coming up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> old danny okay, weak wrist everybody, everybody move up <laughs> danny weak ankles here we are <laughs> so when you sprain your ankle, it's in a continual state of weakness, mm. right? Mm. And you sprain it easily. So we'd tape and wrap. But when I when we we'd sprain ankles, he'd put our he'd say you need to step and stay in this ice bucket. Oh, and it hurts so, so bad. bad. Yeah, and so it would have to reduce inflammation, right? Yeah. So I keep my foot in there as long as I possibly could, and it's this notion of the longer I stay in this uncomfortable position, uh, the more I'm going to gain. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I, I think of that illustration a bit when I think of that desert experience. Like, I'm in this, I don't want to be here, but there's something that is going to be redeemable on the other side yeah. by staying in. So anyway, yeah. that, that... Well, that, and I can't help but think of, you know, when Israel, going back to the story of Exodus, when they're out in the wilderness... You know, having been liberated from slavery for generations upon generations, and yet they get out there and it's uncomfortable and it's unknown and they're eating manna day in, day out. And what do they long for? They're like, it had been better if we were back in Egypt. And, you know, then that kind of brings me to even Jesus' question to the man by the pool, which I think we've actually talked about before of like, do you want to be healed? Right? Like, there is a sense in which the wilderness, <clears throat> although uncomfortable, is the space in which God can do some of his most formative work in us um, because we need that sort of, um, you know, discomfort. And I think there's some nuance around that idea of discomfort. It's not like abuse or anything like that, but it's this level of when everything's up in the air, when things are uncertain and you're in that maybe dark night of the soul as other mm-hmm. language that we've used um, around this is like, that's, that's when God does a formative work. And, and most most kind of you know followers of Jesus that I look at and deeply admire and want to emulate all of that, I mean, most of them would would say that sort of wilderness, those dark nights yeah. of the soul, were when when I was shaped most deeply. Yeah, um, and we tend to we can we can give up I think a little early because of the comforts. We can't hold our foot in the ice bucket yeah. long enough, you know. But yeah. there's healing coming yeah. on the other side of that, yeah. you know. That's right. And yet, what Dan says is so true. None of us. Yeah. Want to go. Yeah. None of us ever choose to go. Yeah. Except maybe Jesus chose to go. I don't know. I don't know what the theology is around him wanting to go. He was led by the Spirit, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, led led by the Spirit. Spirit. We'll get at, I can't remember if Mark makes that reference or not, but we're we're talking about the wilderness next. But you know, most of us, like, at least the first couple times, the desert or the wilderness happens to us, and, and then... We can either choose if we want to grow and learn from it or not. We can kind of submit ourselves to the process. But Jesus actually went and like found it. Like, do you think that's sort of one of our growth steps? Like, as we look at this, is that we can recognize when we need a wilderness, when we need a desert? I sure hope so, because we we have these opportunities. I mean, you know, Kevin, you've been teaching us through you know creating space to be in the presence of God. And and maybe it's not a, a desert always, mm-hmm. but to have that uh, that habit of opening ourselves up and creating space to really, really listen and get rid of those distractions. And I mean, my time like that is comfortable. It's a cup of coffee and, 
you know, in a nice in a nice chair in my regular space. Yeah. Uh, but there are those times where we just we just need to to get away and say I, I I need to I need to be alone. I need to be with God and and I need the minimal around me. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, I've gone you know for short you know an overnight at a, you know a monastery there's there's no wi-fi you know there's no there's no tv in my room you know and wow am i really so you know there's still three squares a day but you know <laughs> like i'm really, not really suffering but well look at me i'm yeah. you know i'm pulling away i'm pulling out of it there's yeah. another piece of this too that um when we say being drawn into that and that's that could be really valuable to really listen but there's also, as you you had mentioned, Brandon. There's those people that look back on their lives and they say, look back and say, man, that was really a that was really a desert time I was in, and they're they may be questioning, was anything redeemable out of that time? Mm. And uh, I've I don't know if you guys have ever led people through like an exercise mm. of going back and looking at their lives, like shape shape profile, yeah, yeah. something like that. And the last letter of the shape is your experiences and to help people look at their past experiences and say you know what god wants to god's redeeming that there there's Mm -hmm. something that happened there it might be very hard for you to see it but in the in the good in your past in the bad and the ugly there's something god uh, will redeem and then to hear later how they were able to speak into someone else's life through their desert experience that allowed them to maybe steer someone or mentor someone well because even as they were not mentored well themselves yeah yeah that's beautiful it's it's one of those where again like i think the desert the wilderness experience can sometimes be something we impose on ourselves like you were saying of like we need to retreat we need to get away we need to fast we need to you know whatever those are like i think of lent like lent we enter into and in some ways we're creating a wilderness type of moment for us but then there's also, again, those like sort of dark nights of the soul where we're thrust into the wilderness, um, whether or not we choose. And it's in those spaces that God still uses that. And, and I think there's, there's something to this you know, rejecting of the, <clears throat> our natural rejection of the wilderness that is, to me, it exposes how often my following of Jesus is rooted in my feelings. And it's like, do I feel comfort in Jesus? And, and yes, of course, yeah. we have comfort in Jesus. But but no relationship can operate purely on what we feel, and and I worry sometimes that whether it's myself or even others, as I've kind of guided people through dark nights of the soul, that it's <clears throat> we can almost give up sometimes right before we're about to reach another level of intimacy, mm. right? And like you know, marriage is a great example of this. Like there's so often when when you go through the gauntlet of life with a spouse or a, a deep friend or a roommate or a family member, whatever it is, as you walk the gauntlet of life, those hard things, it doesn't always feel like you want to be there. But on the other side of year after year after year of enduring and the, the good, the bad, the ugly of life, there's a, a richness, an intimacy that develops when you kind of walk through that with someone. And I, I, I think sometimes this wilderness experience is Jesus kind of being with us present and that intimacy is growing on the other side of the wilderness if we can endure right mm-hmm. if we find a way usually built on community and, mm-hmm. and all of that that helps us walk through it um, but there's an intimacy with jesus i think that happens through those experiences 
um, that we just need. We need to develop that and, and find ways to not give up, you know, to not give in uh, in those moments based on how we feel, right? Because sometimes our feelings can, in fact, mislead us. Yeah, I think, I think that's so true with, with relationships. I, I remember one of my friends... I forget what, who it was, but we had we had like a big fight, and we'd you know like never had a fight ever. And afterwards, I was like, "Hey, we had our first fight. Like this is kind of exciting." And he's like, "What the heck is wrong with you, dude? Like, why would you why would you want to fight?" It's like, "No, I don't want to fight, but like us having to to get through a disagreement together yeah. means that we're growing. Assuming we get through the disagreement, we're growing together." Which is why I've always wanted to fight with you, Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> and you never, you never join. I never join. Yeah. Well, this this seems like a good time for us to, let's to work do through it. Yeah. So let's go. All right. Yeah. Here's the and first for, issue for I have Brandon. What he's saying is, uh, we're not fighting. We're communicating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, Brandon is pulling up his PowerPoint about how angry he is with me right now. He's prepared for this moment. Yeah, um, you have you had a great quote on this um, desert experience, Dan, uh, from something called the Great Undoing. I'm wondering if you could remind us, refresh us on that quote. Yeah, I was yeah, I was just to- totally in that whole frame of mind of thinking the desert experience and trying to put myself there, and, and just just uh, found this quote uh, online. You know, you just you know. Anyway, his name's it's a guy named Ryan Kuja, and. Uh, he wrote, the desert invites us to go into the vulnerable places inside to face and to let go of what we find. And this is a challenging thing to say. You know, I, I, I don't want us to say, you know, that everything about the God we know is not correct because it isn't. It's, it is correct. To leave the God we know and meet a God we don't know and can't possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. So expanding our view and being open to seeing new facets of, of God in that desert experience that we wouldn't have seen, we wouldn't have looked for, we wouldn't have yeah. we wouldn't have hoped for, or longed for as we're trying to work through whatever God has us to work through at that time. I think I think to get through this and stay in stay into that stay in that ice bucket longer or stay in that situation, it's it's about. Uh, the hope we have of what is on the other end, you know, that there is redemption, you know, as, as, as we've been talking about, you know, the kingdom of God is at hand and, you know, the kingdom of God is breaking into this world and, and he's redeeming the world and he's redeeming these past experiences and he's, uh, he, we're useful to him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dan, I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like so often that when people are in the midst of of those desert times that Christianity sometimes gets into like it almost feels like Berean Christian bookstores where they offer like these they feel like platitudes. Like I I just remember early on in my marriage going to a a well-meaning friend of mine and asking him you know about my marriage or telling him some problems that I was having or whatever. And, and him telling me this whole thing about, well, you know, if almost like he didn't listen to me, he said, you know, if you just picture a triangle and God is at the top of the triangle and you and your wife are at each bottom end, if you just move towards God, you're going to move together. (laughs) 
And he looked at me like that was going to solve my problems. And I was, I was like, you, you literally have no idea what I just said. Like, you're not listening to me at all. And sometimes, I feel like sometimes um, we can do that to people that are in the desert. Like, we can just offer them, hey, God will make a way when there seems to make no way. It's like we're offering them things that are technically true. What would you say to someone that is in the midst of a desert time right now, that's listening to this right now, um, that's not a, uh, you know, from brain Christian bookstores. <laughs> By the way, I've I've used that illustration in weddings before. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a desert experience, so I get your point. <laughs> Works great in weddings. Yeah, oh, Dan opens up his notebook. All right, scratch this illustration. <laughs> Oh dear! Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I would say. What I would say to somebody in the desert is, God is with you there. He, mm-hmm. he He is there. You're not. You're not alone. And God manifests Himself to you. In it'd be in a one-on-one with Him, you know, and just He He, he speaks into you, or He may choose to work through others that are around you, and they're they're God's hands and feet in your life in the desert and and just hang on it's it's not forever it's never been forever and uh you're not alone and you're loved you're loved by god you're loved by your brothers and sisters in christ and then it's up to us to not just say that and walk away but to be there and be engaged in the relationship and i just i see mm. examples of that happening around this church all the time of people that are walking with others in 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 the desert and holding them up bearing bearing one another's burdens we like to call it right we, we want to bear each other's burdens so it, it i'm not going to say I'm not going to just offer him this, uh, you know, simple answer, you know, that is in the Berean Christian books. Or here, let me get you this plaque, and you can <laughs> a breadcrumb and fish. Sure, <laughs> this is right. a commemorative plaque for your desert time. <laughs> yes, yes. Kevin, do you have anything to add? No, that's pretty good. Yeah, I yeah. agree. God is there. Yeah, God is there. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't feel that's like right. he's there, that's good. Because, like you guys said, you know, yeah. I mean, sometimes when you're there. You don't know what God's doing with it until you're you're out of it, yeah. And then you can look back and see, oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and there will be a moment for anyone who's listening that's in the midst of it. There will be a moment when you can look back at this season, and you can see what God did, yeah. what God, how God used that that desert season. Um, I want to end with this um, this idea that I think is pretty. You said that that John points to Jesus, and I think it's pretty mm-hmm. profound when you think about, um, you know, John leaping, starting his life, you know, before he was ever even born, leaping in the womb, and Elizabeth feeling the power of the Holy Spirit, to then, you know, dedicating his life to the wilderness. But in some ways, in most ways, John's life really existed almost entirely to point to Jesus. Like it, it was prophesied, you know, in Malachi and Isaiah that he was going to come before and he was going to prepare the way. Um, that feels to me like something to aspire to. Absolutely. Um, and again, you know, Jesus said he was the, 
the greatest one, you know, uh, the greatest of the prophets. It's his 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 role. And uh, again, we talked about how he he was really a celebrity. People came out to see him and and hear him, and and they responded to him. But uh, so, so think about it. He. He just said, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. He can. I'm going to point, I point you to Jesus. What, uh, speaking of Berean stores, I got this little wristband on. It says, it's John 3.30. Oh, it's not a WWJD? No, it's he is greater than I. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a, that is a, a reminder that I, yeah. I like to carry with me in, in everything that I do, because you know, I need that reminder. But what, I, I think the the bigger thing is how are we pointing? You know, even mm-hmm. I mean, seeing him as example to us and what we can learn about John's life, what he modeled for us in many ways. But how are we pointing people to Jesus? Are we conscious of that? What does that look like in our lives? Is that is that something we need to to pray through and journal about and and uh, you know start our day thinking how how am I going to point people to Jesus today? And you know how do I? Anyone I come across, and he has all these circ. You know, we don't know what we don't know what adventure we're going to have that day. You know, uh, who where's there where's there an opportunity to point somebody to Jesus, and uh, and then take advantage of it. It's good. And here's where here's where I would leave you. I think I think the maybe the sobering thought is that all of our lives point to something. Hmm. Like all of our lives. Our, our time spent, the way, uh, our wallet, all of it points to something or someone. And if you have any, if you have any doubts about that, ask your kids. <laughs> Say, hey, what's most important to me? Yeah. And they'll just be brutally honest with you. Yeah. Oh, it's golf, Dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, or whatever it is. Yeah. And so let that be sort of your challenge this week as you're thinking through this and uh, you know how God has used the desert experience in your life and all of all that stuff what is your life pointing at and are you are you pointing at Jesus how often are you pointed to Jesus and what can you change or what can you start or what can you stop to point at him more until then we'll see you next week <laughs>